Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Alfa Romeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and this week I'll be driving the Tonale Q4, the 280 horsepower four-wheel drive plug-in hybrid version of Alfa's C-segment SUV, along with some of its potential rivals. So we are at Millbrook, the proving ground for the SMMT test day. I'm just heading out to the hill route in the Tonale PHEV, which I first drove in the Yorkshire Dales a month or so ago. The problem I had then was we shared with another journalist and we split the route 50-50 and the half of the route that he got was a fantastic country road route through the Dales. And what I got was effectively the return leg, um, which was on very mundane urban roads uh, through housing estates and industrial estates. Did get to try out the overtaking, which was very impressive. When the battery kicks in at the rear end, it's got some real punch for overtaking. But I didn't get to drive it anywhere that was halfway fun. Now I have the opportunity to do a couple of things. One is later in the day, I'm going to drive a bunch of rivals, hopefully. Um, I've already had a go in a Maserati Gracale GT, um, which isn't really a rival, which is why I didn't record much on the podcast did the first route round the hill route or first lap round the hill route behind a bus um, which wasn't the most fun I've had then did a, another lap in sport mode which was quite good fun currently cruising out in natural mode is showing me that I'm in EV so uh, so that's quite interesting I'm going to do two laps of the hill route I'm going to do one in natural mode so that it's kind of half EVE uh, and then I'm going to do a, uh, a proper lap if you like in dynamic and we'll see uh, how different it feels. Uh, a little bit of congestion. I've got a, a bunch of hideous yellow mercs in front of me. Oh, actually, no, one of them is a hideous yellow portion. So I'm just going to hang back a bit as we get round to the start of the hill route. It's quite an interesting route. It's quite um, quite a lot of quite tight bends, hairpins, um, speed bumps, as you can hear, plus some quite fast sections and, as the name implies, a lot of hills. Uh, so I'm just, again, just going to hold back a little bit and then get going there's only a couple of places where you can overtake i'm on the climb up to the first twisty bit which isn't one of the places you can overtake and unfortunately this traffic jam in front of me has slowed down again still in natural mode and it's okay it's reasonably responsive but it's really difficult to tell behind the traffic that i've got here which are all quite capable cars on on paper there is a 55 mile an hour speed limit here but um, we're currently doing 35, so I think people are really getting the best out of the experience here. Uh, I have got an overtaking point coming up, so we'll try and get past at least one of them. As we go around, there's a few cones here, though, which don't help. Oh, and we've got someone slowing to an absolute stop in um, a large Japanese SUV that will remain nameless. One of the hazards here, might have to do three laps. The bus that's ruined my first lap in the Gracale is currently parked in a lay-by halfway round. We're all doing five miles an hour again. Quite sure what's going on here. It's not usually a problem on the test day. Most people are quite happy to give it some beans around the course, but not my current companions on the lap. They're still pulling pretty well up the hills in natural mode. We'll see how different it is when we go up in dynamic in a minute. This is the steepest part now. Again, can't really give you a good impression because we are stuck behind this yellow traffic jam. It's 911, registration A911 at the front of this queue now. 
There is a section that's coned off in a moment with a 15 mile an hour speed limit, and I think this guy is just anticipating that. Uh, this is currently what should be the most fun part of the course, but that is not currently the case. I'm hoping these guys will all peel off in a minute when I come around for my second lap. Um, I've got a bright red Alpine behind me, which I'm sure is equally frustrated. There is a rundown uh, from the entry to the hill route that will allow me to overtake these people if they go around for another lap. But hopefully, the four people in front of me will all peel off to go back to the car collection area and I'll be able to open it up a bit. Uh, as a courtesy, I'll let the Alpine through because um, I would hope that that is slightly more rapid around here than the Tenale, although there is that 55 mile an hour limit, so. Okay, they have all left, which is fantastic. So let's do this again. I'm just gonna let him go past and then I'm gonna follow him around basically. Okay, Genesis that's trying to spoil my fun. And enough fun spoiled for the day, thank you very much. Okay, here we go. So let's see if we can do a proper lap. Alpine is opening it up, so I will open up. I only remember I'm still in in natural for this run round because I didn't get a proper go round before. Actually, the Alpine's not much quicker than the other guys were. There you go. I don't suppose he's really had a sighting lap given that he went round at 15 miles an hour the last time. Okay, through one of the twistier parts, and it does feel very nimble, this Tonale actually taking a much tighter, neater line around that corner than the Alpine ahead. Um, I does manage to get the power down quite nicely as you come out the other side. It's just so easy to hit every apex. There's a little bit of body roll, but really not very much. It is a Veloce version. I have the adaptive damping, which is not currently on in natural mode, but it is. As we come up to the hairpin, we've got enough momentum that the hazard lights have come on. Um, still clinging to the back of this Alpine. Uh, again, he is limited. Now he's getting away from us a little bit now, but it really is very, very capable around here. Huge amount of fun. Really looking forward to doing this in dynamic. Okay, that was much more fun. One of the nice things about test day is the variety of cars. We've got one of the new Volkswagen battery camper vans in front of us. So I've got the Alpine in front of me. I've got a Ford pickup truck in front of that. Ranger, I think. There's a Toyota GR in front of a Hyundai Ioniq in front of that. And some big orange Japanese SUV at the front of the of the line. It really is quite the variety. Um, so very impressed. We're back in EV mode. Doing about 20 miles an hour as we follow the queue behind the electric VW camper van. Coming to the end of the lap. So we'll do one more. Okay, so we're literally coming to the end of the route. So I've just switched it into dynamic and stiffened up the dampers. Okay, here we go. I have got one car ahead of me. And I've got a big Genesis SUV behind me. Uh, one of the nice little features on the Tonale is the charge indicator. So running in EV mode, you get a, a blue uh, Biscayoni on the dash in dynamic when you're um, getting the assist from the back end kind of glows blue and green quite a nice touch um, obviously i've got the 1960s 105 style dials because that's for me far the best looking 
uh, version of the Conicchiali. I'm now stuck behind an MG, which for an EV with a low center of gravity is rolling a lot. Uh, a bit of a traffic jam now, so again, not the ideal test for dynamic, but I'm gonna hang back a bit and then get ready and coming up to one of the, the two overtaking zones. So just position myself to get past this MG as we go round. we go. That's better, now we've got to run at it. I think he thought his EV power was going to be plenty to keep him ahead of the Tenali. It was not. Tuck into a really tight corner as we go into a 14% gradient. And we are, we're speed limited by the, the route speed limit as we go up the 14% gradient. We're now going, uh, there's a 21% gradient that we're, we're not using today, but this one's still pretty steep. Okay, and again, I have to slow down slightly to keep inside the speed limit. A really tight turn at the top of this gradient. And again, comes around it beautifully with almost no ball body roll. And we're now on to one of my favorite sections, unfortunately, uh, back into a traffic jam. Uh, and there's another Tenale in the middle of that traffic jam. Some sort of hot golf in front of us. It's not an R. It's just a bit of GTI, I think. Obviously needs four exhaust pipes. But that was, uh, yeah, great fun. And uh, that's the bit of driving that I didn't get um, when I was out on the, uh, the Yorkshire Dales. Uh, one more thing here. I am authorised for the high-speed bowl. So I'm going to take the opportunity to do that on the way back to the pad. We are going out onto the bowl. So for those of you not familiar with Millbrook, the bowl has four lanes. Each one has a, a minimum and maximum speed, which is kind of the natural speed for the, the, uh, the bowl. Uh, there's nothing on, I'm just coming out into lane one. Um, there's a warning about using lane one. Um, so I'm in lane two now, moving up into lane three and up into lane four. So lane four has a minimum of 75 miles an hour and a maximum of 100. We're currently doing 90, still accelerating. And there we are, we are doing 100. Um, so you should be able to hear a, a little bit of road noise, but it really is very quiet, very stable. Um, there is a, a fifth lane ahead of me, or above me, uh, which has a minimum speed of 100 miles an hour, uh, and I believe a maximum of 140. Uh, we're not authorized to use that today, so uh, stick into lane four. Absolutely rock solid at 100 miles an hour. Um, obviously these lanes are designed so you have an absolute minimum of steering input, you just follow it around and it does. Um, it's a two mile, round circuit. So we are well around that and I'm going to do uh, two laps and then back in. So I'm just at the point where uh, we join the pole. So I've got about three quarters of a lap to go. Steady 100 miles an hour. Um, 
get absolutely no dramas whatsoever. So that's the Tanale pretty much done. Um, really backed up um, what I felt as a passenger on the rides that I did in the Dales. Um, much more fun behind the driving seat. Um, I can't wait to get one for a longer time and um, maybe head back up to that route in the Dales again because that was a, a fantastic route. Um, let's see how the Tenale compares against its rivals. I'm going to start moving down through the lanes. Decelerating as I go, I'm a quarter of a mile from the exit. Nothing around me. And we are heading back to the pad. So that was the benchmark set. The next car I drove isn't technically a rival. But given that Alfa Romeo and DS will be sharing showrooms for the next few years at least, and we have lots of reports of Jeep salespeople trying to switch sales Stelvio customers to Jeeps, I thought it would be interesting to take out the French brand's slightly larger SUV just to see if there was likely to be much crossover. I am in the first of what you might call the Tonale's rivals. This is a PHEV DS7 or DS set, I guess. It said bonjour to me when I got in and then it started playing Radio 2. Of course it did. I upset the PR manager for DS last year when I described the DS5, I think it was, that I drove as being a bit like a Tarte's boudoir. But that does not go away. There's lots of kind of gratuitous diamond-shaped switches. The engine start button is a a diamond-shaped button in the middle of the dash as a really ugly BRM chronograph uh, clock that comes out of the dash. Um, but the interesting thing about it, I think, is that it's four-wheel drive, PHEV. It's probably, I would say, more Stelvio-sized than Tonale-sized, but it's the hybrid bit that I'm kind of interested in. Again, we're taking this out on the hill course and the bowl. Yeah. One of the things that people often say about about being in an Alfa is it's just a, a lovely place to be. There's a famous James May quote about um, it like being in a cafe in Milan. I, I don't know what this is like. It's, it's a really, really horrible place to be. Everything about it is just trying far too hard and, and failing as far as I'm concerned. It drives okay. It's it's quiet. It's um, it's a little bit of a choppy ride actually for a luxury barge. But even getting out towards the high speed route, it's just a little bit of a roll and wobble to the suspension. I mean, you expect a Citroen to be softly sprung and comfortable, but it's not really that. It's it's horrible. It's just nervous. I think is probably the word I would use. Tightens up a bit as you get up towards the the route speed limit but not a huge amount to be honest there's still a truck on the start of the hill right so i'm now at that um windy hill section up to the the first twisty part um, so let's see what it's like when you press on a bit again you should have petrol at the front and a little bit of electric push from that oh it does not want to go around corners yeah, it feels big and heavy and imprecise and wallowy. And I, I, that's, I'm not a big Citroen fan. I owned a BX years and years ago. And, you know, the appeal is supposed to be, as far as I'm aware, that they are soft and comfortable and yet 
still have some kind of poison control and this poison's a bit strong um, but there's not a lot of control it's, I'm having to move around in the seat just to to keep myself centred it's got plenty of go for a big heavy car which it is but it just doesn't not too bad on the hairpin although it's throwing me around but it it did stay more or less where it was pointed back into one of the tighter swoopy bits and this is one of my favorite bits so here we've got a, a right hand uh, turn into a, a a very cambered corner and then up the 14 percent incline again feels a bit more labored than the the tonale did we're coming up to the steeper section now so we'll see how that goes if you remember in the tonale do a car in front of me but in the tonale it was we were speed limited yeah we are just about i could go up here over the 55 mile an hour limit but it doesn't just doesn't feel like it wants to go in the same way and and i suppose it shouldn't i mean the, part of my problem if you like part of my confusion about the ds brand is that it started out as as citroen's kind of sporty brand which was was weird given the heritage of the DS. And it's now evolved into something which is kind of the luxury brand, which is is much more in line with the the DS goddess history. But it just doesn't inspire in any way. It's just trying too hard is the is the best way I can describe it. The the upholstery has hundreds of little leather sections. There are um, stitched kind of sunbeam effects on all of the actually they're not stitched they're pressed sunbeam effects on the dash and the doors for no obvious reason yeah I mean that's probably my summary of DS it exists for no obvious reason yeah I don't think Stellantis are going to like this podcast but um, I I just cannot imagine who this is aimed at it's not it's not comfortable enough to be a luxury cruiser it's not sporty enough to to tempt people away from mercedes and bmw and audi i guess it's probably there is a section of the mercedes and, and i guess volvo buying public that are on the mercedes side certainly not bothered about or interested in the performance side of things and i guess it kind of sits i don't know no i really don't get it um we're out onto the high speed bowl now it does I mean, it's it's getting me up to 100 um, a lot more slowly than we were before, but it's getting there. Um, and we're there now. Getting more wind noise than the the Julia or the Tonale. So again, doesn't really fit with the the kind of luxury branding. I remember I did a trip, which I've bored some of you about before, from Nice to the UK in a Rolls-Royce Wraith and an Aerial Atom. And we we stopped halfway home and had one of those Top Gear-like conversations about yeah, if you had your dream garage, if you were able to buy any car you wanted, how far down the list would the cars we were in be? And I think we all agreed somewhere in our top 10 we we could find a place for a, 
an atom because it was so much fun. None of us could imagine how many cars we would have to own before we got to the point where we said, you know what? What I want now is a Rolls-Royce Wraith. And I have to say, this would be much further down the list. It's just, I mean, competent, but horrible. Horrible place to be. Nasty, 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 nasty. Don't like it. So first car I've been in on the high-speed bowl where I've done my part lap and I'm coming back in because I just don't want to be in this. So you've got all this acres of tat and then in the in the middle of the dash between two USB A ports, both USB A ports, no USB C ports that I can see, there's a 12 volt port with a cover on it that looks like it's in a caravan. I'm just, no. No, 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 no. I'll take a picture to include in the um, the magazine write-up of today. But if anything, it's worse from the outside than it is from the inside. Execrable thing. President Macron of France chose the DS7 as his official transport, apparently. Maybe it looks better from the back seat. It's a 1.6-litre hybrid power plant too, but it has a lot more work to do than the smaller engine in the Tonale. Sticking with the theme, the next hybrid SUV I got my hands on was probably closer to the DS in terms of target market. I think. I have no idea what the DS's target market is, but it's probably a more sensible or at least a more conventional choice. And now, as they say, something completely different. I am in a Lexus, and slightly odd to say, I've been in plenty of Lexuses, but usually in the back. This is the first time I've driven one. Uh, this is an NX, NX 450H+, which I have in Sport Plus mode, because why wouldn't you? And I'm I guess the this is probably the car that's probably closest to the DS7 in terms of um, target markets. In this spec, it's quite a lot more expensive. Again, it's probably somewhere between Tonale and Stelvio in terms of, uh, of size and spec. It's 62 grand, but it's a hybrid powertrain, which is uh, really what I'm interested in at the moment. It could not be, given that it's a a luxury SUV, it could not be less like the DS7. All very understated, black leather and piano black trim. Fairly decent central dials, very modern and electronic. Nothing nothing, nothing like a, a modern Alphas Conchiali. Massive iPad style screen in the dash, which I really don't like, but that is a personal thing. I know lots of people do. It's kind of smaller than a Tesla, bigger than a Tonale initially at least seems to handle okay. Uh, I can't do this one on the hill route, strangely enough. It's um, I'm sorry, I can't do this on the bowl. Um, it's not not available for that. But we are now on the hill route. Very uninspiring. It sounds and feels a bit like a washing machine. It's quick enough. We're pushing the 55 mile an hour speed limit already as we enter the hill route. But if this is Sport Plus, it, again, it's not very sporty. Nose tucks in a lot better than the DS7 did, but it would be hard for it not to. And we are, yeah, no, it's very wallowy. Again, not as bad as the DS7, but not a patch on, on Tonale or Stelvio. So you definitely, you'd not be choosing between the two on dynamics. Uh, very, very lazy. 
steering rack as well. Um, again, spoilt by the super fast rack on the Tonale, but uh, I'm just going to position myself to be overtaken by a 595 a Bath because I don't feel like I can push on the way he's going to want to. So I'm just going to, we're now entering the way. Whoa, nose just went massively right. right. Um, I would say this is the first thing I've driven, including the Wallowy DS7, um, which actually feels actively dangerous on this course at the speeds that I've been driving the other cars. We'll see how it handles some of the twisty sections, but it just doesn't want to turn in. No, it's just so big and heavy and yeah, you just wouldn't. It's the first time I've had to brake going into the big cambered corner on the start of the 14% rise and sounds really laboured as it accelerates up here. I'll have a look at the spec sheet in a minute and find out what uh, what's sitting below the lump. But um, the other thing is it has a head-up display that actually becomes quite intrusive as you climb steep hills. I'm hoping I'm still recording because my recorder's just gone flying across the floor because there's so much body roll. It's just sat there where I've put it in the um, the other cars I've driven, but not this one. But I guess this is good news for DS because this is much, much worse than that DS7. Horrible thing. People like these, apparently. I should probably give it another lap in in a less sporty mode just to see whether it's it's more controlled on a softer damping setting. Because, as I say, it does feel quite nervous, but still doesn't just doesn't turn in. Really, really strange. Okay, so I am I'm now in eco mode. Those are the options, eco, sport, and sport plus. So this is dull as it gets mode. Let's give this another go. That little bath has gone off into the distance. Oh, oh, the noises are really, really nasty sure it will do 300,000 miles being a Toyota derived vehicle. I can't imagine wanting to spend 300 in it. Um, actually really uncomfortable unsupportive seat as well. Oh it's just horrible in eco mode. Nope don't like this but it's an interesting you know lots of people have said the Tonale is expensive and as I said this is slightly bigger it's, it's kind of Stelvio priced um, or Stelvio sized rather but the Stelvio is yeah, there's no comparison. God. Yeah, it really likes to be sent an invitation well in advance of a corner. Lots of body roll, but more than the body roll, it's this, the, the lack of precision. Just does not want to go around a corner. Okay, we're at the place where it ploughed on before, so let's try a slightly different line. Yeah, it's slightly better when you're not setting yourself up to be passed by another car on the right but it's still not it's really really oh you just have to slow to, almost to a stop to go around tight corners in a way that even the citroen didn't require you to do sorry it's not the citroen it's a ds um yeah now this is oh and now we're on the twisty bit and alone right we're going into that cambered right-hander again uh, you do have to break on oh oh no 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 that is yeah 
there are lots of cars that will put you into a ditch if you press on too much but you can see it happening in this uh, quite modest speed and it's struggling to get up the hill it's the first car i've not managed to get in eco mode to be fair but it's the first car that i've not gone up the hill and um, the steepest part of the hill at the the speed limit for the the venue that is and now we're on the the nice twisty bit and it is i think it would be fair to say this is not what this was designed to do and that's just as well because it doesn't do it still i had a very large map showing me where i didn't want to go and then it's showing me where i do want to go which is to take this back really 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 don't like this so the car i've been waiting to get back into because i drove it a year ago before i'd driven the tonale and it'd be interesting to do a comparison afterwards uh, actually following it back to the pad is the, the volvo xc40 recharge which i think is from what i've driven so far um, unfortunately the um the jeep PHEV that i was hoping to drive had a puncture and um, so he's unavailable all day because stellantis process doesn't allow them to just go to quick fit and have a new tire fitted um so it is completely out of action all day because it had a puncture and no spare wheel um which is a shame because uh, it would have been nice to revisit the the dynamics of what is essentially a tonale underneath as i say i drove that last year and it was incredibly agricultural compared to um, subsequent drives in the Tonale. Even the aircon on this Lexus set to 16 and a half and I am sweating buckets. And I've just put it down to low and it is just starting to cool down a bit, but it's still... Mm. One of the reasons I've never driven one is I don't... Like DS, I don't really get the brand. And now having driven one, I'm none the wiser really. I'd rather have a Toyota which is at least honest about the fact that it's a dull Japanese box. I'm not a big fan of Piano Black, I have to say. I know it's supposed to be posh, but it just looks cheap. Now this is a obviously a press fleet car, so they don't get treated well, but all of the interior fit and finish is just covered in scratches. It's, uh, it's not going to be very durable in everyday ownership. Interestingly, I learned as I was putting the podcast together that NX stands for Nimble Crossover which shows a remarkable degree of chutzpah on Toyota's behalf. It's also a 2.5-litre hybrid power plant compared to the Tonale's 1.3, and it is in the same size class. So if you feel an overwhelming need to spend £15,000 more on a much, much worse car, this should definitely be on your list. My final Tonale rival of the day, I did play with the Giulia Competizione, a Stelvio, and that VW ID Buzz electric campervan as well is the one the press have driven alongside it most frequently, with the Tonale usually getting the nod from the writers. How close would that come? Okay, so as I hoped, uh, we are now off in the Volvo XC40 Recharge. I thought I'd driven one of these before, but um, so this is a, a left hooker, which will make life interesting going around the hill route because I'm very used to being on the other side of the car. This has a one pedal mode, which is kind of maximum eco, whatever, um, maximum recharge. So I'm gonna do, again, I'm gonna do two laps of the hill route, one conventionally, and then I will pull over um, and I will do another one in one pedal mode. Strange kind of retro dash, lots of black plastic, and it's not particularly nice black plastic. 
more piano black. And then the first portrait mode, uh, big screen in the middle that I've come across in a, almost looks like a, a 40s Baker-like kind of surround. It's, it's piano black with uh, vents in chrome and it's kind of, the surround is off square, it's wider at the top than at the bottom. Um, but then the screen is just a, actually looks like it's a, an Android tablet. Um, most of the iconography looks very much like Android. Digital dash, I guess the, the binnacle is probably as close to the, uh, the Tenale as anything else that I've driven. Um, yeah, it's not a bad place to be. It's probably my, my second favourite cabin after the Tenale, but a long way, a long way behind the Tenale. Um, but it's not, not horrible, unlike the outside. Um, it's one of those cars that kind of, they've decided that modern cars don't need a grill. So it's got this big um, flat expanse of body color where the grill would be. There's a McLaren coming off the hill route, which um, isn't available for us to drive today. Okay, so um, yeah, comfortably up to the 55 limit as we enter the, the hill route. Um, actually following a early um, Porsche KN with a roof box on it in sort of um, rally raid decals, a bit of a an odd beast to find on here, but um, yeah, hopefully that should be rapid enough not to hold us up, although, yeah, it isn't. Okay, should have taken the chance to get past him while I could. It handles okay, I'm going to back off a bit so I can go into this next corner where the um, where the Lexus tried to kill me, as you know, it's a bit further out. Um, into the, the twisty bit with the U-shaped hairpin. Bit unfair to judge given how slowly this KN's going. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of okay. It's not spectacularly good, but it's competent. Uh, quite a bit more roll than the Tonale. A lot more roll than the Tonale actually, and and a bit of jitter. It's not quite. It's not as planted as I would like. Okay, so now we're coming to Lexus Death Corner, and yeah, it's absolutely fine going around there. I would have gone past the KN in this overtaking area, but he decided to take up both lanes at the same time, which is unfortunate. And now he's going around the hairpin at 15 miles an hour. Excellent. Jesus. Yeah, just cut right in front of me. I might do. Oh, automatic in intervention collision avoidance has come up on my dash. Um, not surprising given the fool in front of me who just literally changed lanes as I was coming past him in the overtaking zone. Okay, concentrating quite hard to make sure that I know what he's going to do. So I'm going to do one more lap in two pedal mode uh, and then I'll switch it into one pedal mode uh, for the third lap. Hopefully not behind this fool. 
Now this is a problem that I've had on other cars. I'm quite surprised to have on this one. The mats don't fit, so the mat is sliding under the pedals, um, which is making life interesting. Oh, good. I think like he's going for another lap. So I will have to get ahead of him. Oh, no, he's not. Good. Absolute idiot. Okay. Here we go. So I've got a bit of traffic ahead, but um, I'm going to put nothing behind me, so I'm going to back off here. Just take it really easy as I come on this course. Unfortunately, everybody else is doing the same. Um, there's a Porsche 928S ahead of me, which is available to drive. Okay. This is an overtaking area, but it runs out quite quickly. I have a Volkswagen ID3 in front of me, a Volkswagen Golf R. I think we're going to have the same problem on this lap that we had on the last lap. This is the third or fourth time I've done this day, and it's um, by far the busiest. And that uh, has not not improved the experience at all. This is not bad actually, it turns in quite nicely. It has got a bit more roll moving around in the seat more than I did in the Tonale, but it's not it's not half bad. Try and get past this ID3, which I have done. Uh, now stuck behind a 928S. I've never been able to say that before. Hopefully when we get through these twisty bits in a minute, he'll be, I think he's taking it easy, showing, the, showing a classic sports car a bit of respect. Don't mind that. Okay, try to take the other lane and pass him as we go up the steepest part of the gradient. It's a bit narrow. I'll stay where I am. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not bad. Holds the line around tight bends quite nicely pretty much goes where you point it. Try and get ready to my third lap, which will be in single pedal mode. Volvo very brave let me out in single pedal mode because they don't know I've never driven a single pedal car before. Yeah. Okay, coming round again. Driving, one pedal drive. I'm not sure this is a good idea on the hill route, but here we go. So I am now in one pedal drive. Sounds like an address, doesn't it? Where do you live? I live on number one pedal drive. One pedal drive. Okay. So I didn't think I was going to like this, and I really don't like this. Uh, let's see how it goes. So I am uh, coming up through the first twisty part, uh, the first hill climb, and it's okay. I mean, we're doing close to the to the limit. It does. It wallows a bit, but it does turn in. The problem with a one-pedal drive is it always feels like it wants to break. I suspect you would get used to it, but it kind of over-breaks and under-breaks. Yeah, it wasn't enough for that corner. Somebody's talking to me. I assume it's the radio has come on. That's interesting because I haven't turned that on. Interesting. Okay, so now we're coming to the corner where the Lexus tried to kill me, and yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. You presumably hear the, the radio now, very, very bizarre. I'm trying to find, oh, it's traffic update, that's why. Okay. Very, very weird. Yeah, um, I think I would get used to it, but wouldn't want to have it on. It doesn't, slows you enough to be unnerving. 
but not enough to be helpful. Okay, let me try and get past them behind a, a Nissan Townstar van. Okay, so we are again, we are coming up to the steepest section. It's the first time I've had the ability to give this its head. And yeah, apart from the fact that it always feels like the one pedal braking system is trying to strangle whatever you're doing. It did cope with that remarkably well. Yeah, you don't, you can't rely on the one pedal. So it kind of over brakes when you just want it to ease off a bit. Um, and then under brakes when you actually need it to stop, which is not particularly useful. Uh, I guess you're not, you're not gonna be driving at 55 round a hill course most of the time. So maybe it's not so bad. Okay, so far the best of the rest. So I spoke to a friend of the podcast, uh, Rob Lake earlier on about what I should drive while I'm here um, in terms of Tenale rivals. And he gave me a long list of which there's nothing here. So he suggested the Cupra Formenta hybrid, which isn't here. Uh, the Audi Q3, which isn't here. The BMW X1, which isn't here. The, what else did he suggest? A couple of other things. Oh, the Range Rover Evoque, um, not here and the Mercedes-Benz GLA. Now that might be here, I'm gonna have a look for that next. And that will be, if, if there is one, that will be the last of the cars that I get to drive. Um, the XC40, I think because it's left-hand drive, um, is not available for the high-speed bowl. Uh, so I don't have that pleasure. Yeah, there's one pedal, it's mm, not my thing. But as a, as a rule, this wasn't terrible. Even at kind of urban speeds, as I'm coming into the holding area, I still feel like the one pedal is, is over braking as you come off the throttle. I guess you kind of get used to feathering the throttle so that it becomes a bit more fluid, but yeah, no, I don't like that. The rest of the car though, absolutely nothing wrong with it. I didn't get to drive the Mercedes GLA in the end. They didn't have one of those either. So that was almost the end of the day, although I did do another lap of the hill course in a Tonale Q4 with a couple of cameras on, which should be on the club's YouTube channel shortly. The full write-up of the Q4 will be in the June issue of the magazine, which should arrive in around two weeks' time. My conclusion from the day? If you want a compact SUV that drives like an Alfa and feels like an Alfa from the driver's seat, you only have one choice and you won't be disappointed. Nothing else I drove came close, but I will be trying to fill the gaps amongst the car's other rivals over the coming weeks and months. The next episode of the podcast will be in four weeks' time on July the 2nd. Episode 82 will be available to download from Podbean, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podcast Addict, and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe. 